Hey, I'm Will Levist. He's Eric Laville. You're tuning into Levis and Claville, where we give it to you straight the way it is from a black male's perspective, because it's like that. So let's get right to it. The miseducation of critical race theory. So critical race theory has apparently become the most recent political bogeyman. And by that, I mean a tool being misused by certain politicians to misinform bad people and essentially just scare voters. Um, I say this because many politicians that have been touting uh, critical race theory as this big threat to you know society, to education, when they actually are asked to define critical race theory, they never actually even answer the question. So it gives you a, a what 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 is this all about? And so again, Eric, this is actually critical race theory actually comes out of your area, it comes out of the academics of the law. And absolutely. And Will, it really first started as a legal theory to understand the laws and public policies of our society through the lens of race and discrimination. Mm-hmm. And it's really examining how these laws came about on our books dictated by race. Now, I say, this this is my theory, I say that laws of public policy were created for three reasons in its effect or in its intent. That Mm -hmm. is control and to dictate people, resources, and beliefs. People, resources, and beliefs. Under my theory, I believe that every single law that's created, it sits squarely within that particular uh, thought process where it will control the way you believe, the way you think, the resources, and where you go. Under critical race theory, it examines very similarly all of the laws, as I I just articulated, how race played a part in that. So case in point, look at housing laws. Look at laws as it relates to uh, economics. Look at laws as it relates to who is Black and who isn't. Right. The 128 rule rule said that one twenty one drop of black blood made you black. No matter how I say blonde or pass for 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 white that you are, you're black. So what does that do? Okay, so I'm black by law. What does that do? That now limits my opportunities in America provided by two whites because they're white and because the laws and policies were made by white legislators. Right. So if you're black by law. And to be black limits you into a certain caste in the system, the racial hierarchy of the society. And you can see how the law and race intertwine and have real impact on people's lives. So let's give people some, you know, some definitions. So critical race theory, essentially academic approach that seeks to understand how racism uh, has shaped U.S. laws and how those laws are continue to impact, um, particularly impact and limit opportunities for uh, non-white people, so black and brown, indigenous people. So the grandfather of the movement was actually a hard law, Harvard law professor, Derek Bell, who in, in the 1970s, and he voiced this frustration about how the landmark cases that came in the, the decade before, you know, U.S. Supreme Court cases on education, on housing, so forth, that they hadn't yet really brought about 
equality in these areas. So you began to look at, well, you know, what's what's going on here if you had a change in the law, but you don't have a change in equality. You still got disparities. And so legal scholars fast forward in the 1990s, you know, started to develop these ideas and identified a quote, critical race theories to understand how a regime of white supremacy and the subordination of people of color have been created and maintained in America. So see the, the, the power, the fundamental problem being how, you know, the politics and economic power intertwine and support each other. And certain people are get privileged for that. Other people are disadvantaged of it. Now you got the opposition and opposing view, you know, say that, um, let's see, it interpret the fueling of racial division, victimization, and for white students, uh, causing them to feel ashamed right. of their race. But, you know, there's also an academic side in terms of the opposition, right? I mean, that people actually are looking at the, the merits of the theory and offering, you know, criticism of that as well. What, what are the, you know, what are the fellow academics say? Well, you have to ask which academics, right? So you mm-hmm. have about two, uh, the last article that I saw, and the numbers may have increased by that time, but about 250 legal scholars, because it first is a legal theory, right? Right. Uh, but now it's also in other disciplines in uh, the academics. So in history, in anthropology, and other areas, this is being taught. Now, you have those that believe that, yes, this needs, this is one of the missing pieces to help understand and unwrap all of these this difficult history. Now, we call it difficult, but in actuality, it's tragic. Right. You know, America itself, all that is great, it was created out of some events that were horrific. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talk about genocide. We talk about enslavement. We talk about um, uh, the misuse of, of of labor laws as it relates to right. children, as it relates to Asian Americans, Chinese Americans. Uh, we're talking about the selling of, of people as property. We're talking about the abuse of people. We're talking right. about the stealing of property of, of people. We're talking about all these things that made the America that we have, which we love and which we adore, and which is an right. example to the rest of the world. So they believe that the critical race theory is a piece that is missing to understand all that. Now, on the other side of the spectrum, you believe that it's anti-American, that we're starting to rewrite history, uh, that it is Marxist, all right? Because again, the bad C word, right? Right. Communism, right? That is that it is of movement, as you said, Will, to make one race, more specifically the white race, feel ashamed. Uh, but in actuality, it's to understand whole, the whole history. And, and what I like to say is it is understanding the complete history mm-hmm. of our country. You know, listen, we all have two sides of our family. You know, you got that great side. You got the Ivy League graduates. You got the, you got the great families. Um, you got the... Uh, great preachers and lineage of individuals uh, who are doing great things. But you also have, on the, uh, in that same family, some people who aren't doing so great. 
So people that you don't want to invite to the family reunion. Uh, you have some things in your family history that you don't want to talk about. All right. It's the same as our country, Will. You know, we've got great people, great stories, great everything about our country. But there are some stories that we just don't want to talk about. And this is part of it. Right. And so a big piece that's coming out in this now is that, okay, like you said, you've got these real dysfunctions, this real pain that has been part of the making of this great country that we have. Absolutely. And critical race theory seeks to take an analysis of that. You have others who, you know, academics that will honestly answer and say, well, you know, you have that kind of dynamic going on in societies all over where there's pain and there's injustice. And so that does not necessarily mean that um, what we have here is any different than any of those kinds of situations, even though it may be race. It's still you got winners, you got losers, those types of things. But what is happening is in a political sphere, it's being used, as I said at the top, as now this tool to, hey, we got this nice sound by critical race theory. Sounds like the scary <laughs> academia. And you know you can't trust academics anyway. And now they're trying to use yet another movement to uproot and overturn the America that we know as we've loved it. And, and one of the things that it kind of, you know, it reminds me of as I think about when President Obama was seeking his first term and you had the eruption of this, you know, what some called a controversy regarding uh, his pastor at the time, Jeremiah Wright, yeah. who was preaching and preaching very much in the style, the Jer- Jeremiah style of preaching, of, of pointing out the things in America or things in a society that should be condemned, saying yeah. God will condemn those things unless you turn around and turn from your evil ways. Very common style of preaching right. coming out of the black liberation theology and discipline of which he came out of in the 1970s when he was in seminary. And so now they jumped on that as oh, black liberation <laughs> theology. This is the, you know, the thing that is to, uh, what is this thing that we've never heard of and so forth? Yeah. When black liberation theology is really Always ongoing, this is, this is, this is black liberation <laughs> theology is no different than what Richard Allen was preaching about the founded AME church or yeah. what, uh, you know, Harriet Tubman was coming from a Frederick Douglass, you know, it's about how the gospel speaks to to um, freedom and justice and that yeah. we as a black people have a, a unique cultural context in which a framework in which that fits in. And so it's how we use these tools of academia, these theories, these things that are designed to try to help us understand the society that we live in Absolutely. and the injustices and become better. We see that once it, enters into the political realm where people have agendas and they're really trying to advance their own interests, they're able to use these, now it's critical race theory, use these these theories, use these things as ways to drum up um, support, ways to rile up voters and actually misinform people. 
Absolutely. And Will, you bring up a very important point about the politicizing of this very important uh, tool to really uncover and unwrap, you know, the history that we haven't been taught. You know, and we, I want to mention something about uh, 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 Pastor, pa- Pastor Allen. I think that Pastor Allen of, of the AME is a figure in history that we need to really delve deeper into and understand. Amen. You know, his influence upon uh, African-Americans uh, post-freedom is tremendous. Uh, but there are a lot of, there are a lot of African-Americans who have helped to shape not just the minds of the people that they influence in their circle, but really helped to shape the times right. and spoke a lot of, 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 of words and teachings of upward mobility That's right. of African-Americans and of America. I know Booker T. Washington is one of them, but we're starting to uncover a lot more. You know, Katherine Johnson, uh, the great scientist, mathematician, who we're starting to uncover and understand uh, the hidden treasures of of NASA. But I wanted to make that point, that these are the types of heroes that, and Americans, that we, that the critical race theory will help to uncover and unpack. Why is that? Because Katherine Johnson was great because she was brilliant. She was a mathematician. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, her accomplishments were even greater because of the oppression, discrimination, suppression put up on her while she worked for NASA. Now, she's going to fold it. She's going to throw it in the towel many times. But she was so good under pressure, unwarranted pressure, that even the men who were going into space said, I hear what you're saying. But I'm not going until she checks me. <laughs> I'm not going until I hear what that computer says. But if she says go, then I will go thousands of miles outside of this Earth's orbit because of that black woman. So, so to your point, one of the things that's happening is we have a lot of politicians in certain states, Oklahoma, Louisiana, North Carolina, examples, Texas, of course, of course Texas. Texas. They, they, yeah. they're always doing something in Texas who are pushing bills that include language that's about trying to prevent the teaching of critical race theory. And the interesting thing about it is that they're pushing bills concerning K through 12 education. Yeah. <laughs> critical race theory, like you said, is something that they taught you, you, you learned about in law school. Right, right. And so it just, again, shows you how it's being used as a tool to actually do something that is another agenda that's going on, which is to prevent the desire to have this deeper dive into honest education about the racial history of the country, how things develop, what really happened from multiple perspectives, you know, telling the indigenous story, telling the brown, telling the black story of how this country came together because of the Pandora's boxes that it will open to see the levels of injustices that have occurred and how, and then, and then obviously the next thing will be, okay, once we learn of the stories, once we learn of the policies, including government policies that are actually done, the next conversation is going to be, well, 
how do you remedy these injustices that were done oftentimes by our own government? So what you see is that it's a strategy about not really getting to the truth of how we became America. So if you don't really get to the truth of how we became America, you can perpetuate the lies, you can perpetuate the myths and misinformation for generations to come. That's the key, Will, to continue to perpetuate and protect the lie. You know, there's there's an article that just came out, and we're going to unpack it and wrap it in another segment, that talks about how the white male minority is ruling the majority of policies, economics, not just in government, but in business and the like. That, and we also, also there's been discussion about an actually real uh, dialogue that was called on tape during an argument, uh, a court proceeding, a well, legal proceeding, which basically the uh, Republican side admitted, or conservative side, Republican, however you want to play, uh, categorize it, that the voting laws is all about protecting, protecting our vote, protecting right. the laws, right? So no matter right. what we you know, figure out or say it is, that's the reason why it's there, right? So I think that there's currently, I believe this wholeheartedly, that you have a shrinking minority rule hmm. in our country that is believing that this is that they are their, their power is slipping away. Mm. And I believe that education is the key to open up all doors of equity and equality. And if they allow this, then they believe that their power, their hold on power will be in jeopardy. Now, here's why you, what you're saying is important and how it plays out for generations to come. So there's a study out of Skidmore College um, published in American Psychological Association and it reports that infants and toddlers are often aware of race and can display racist beliefs from their young age. Infants really? and toddlers. Yeah. So we often think that, you know, racism shouldn't be taught or anti-racism shouldn't be taught mm-hmm. until age five. But they have studies showing that, you know, with the developmental, the developmental abilities and capacity. Even in infancy, they can see differences in race. So if you teach, right, that talking about race and racism is bad, right, and we know that we had the capacity, even in toddlers, have the capacity to understand racism or to see differences, and we're already indoctrinating people to, to the mindset that even to talk about it is bad, then you can already see that there's there's no there will be once somebody develops and becomes older and more cognizant <laughs> and more, that there won't be any desire Absolutely. to do anything about undoing racism, right. about changing. So if you taught that is bad, we know at a young age you can understand race differences. Studies are starting to show that then as you develop, you become teenagers, you, you become adults, there would be no desire. And, and, and in fact, there will be a total resistance to even want to engage it and do anything about it. And even, even think that 
want to be even open to the fact that racism still exists. So we're talking about something that potentially can really lock us in as a society where we really believe this lie that there is some difference in your intellectual capacity and your ability <laughs> to achieve things as a human, that in, in your rights to be able to have life, liberty, pursuit of happiness on an equal playing field, we're, we're at risk of locking it in that no, there was going to be a permanent caste system based yeah. on skin color. Which, right. which is a total, which is a total right. lie. I mean, skin color, melanin in your skin is no more significance than the color of your hair or the color of your eyes when it ter- comes to the ability of you as a uh, God-given ability as a human being. But we, I think you mentioned something that's that's key. As the ruling majority becomes a minority in our country, now we get to what's called, as you said, a caste system. Mm-hmm. It's a different type of discrimination and different type of order in society, but it still puts those who are currently the majority at the top. Yeah, we certainly have it now. I mean, we have it economically now. Right, exactly. And it was, and it existed when we had slavery. I mean, that was, it was a caste system. There's a pecking order based on race. So, yeah. But race played a part in that. And you're exactly right. We do currently have an economic caste system. Right. However, even within that economic caste system, race plays a part. Absolutely. So, so now, when we, as as ruling majority shrinks into the minority, then to remain the majority, remain the ruling, or to become the ruling minority, a caste system has to be created. And I think that's what we're seeing. I think if you look at popular culture, I think if you look at the person that's fair-skinned, is always the one that's the leader. If you look at the one that's darker complexion, they're the ones who are in the back supporting. Mm-hmm the quote-unquote supporting cast, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at... Uh, the, unless you, know, you got the movie, unless you got the movie Black Panther. Now that, you, you know, we, did, <laughs> we had a breakthrough there. Yeah. Well, Will, think about that. Black Panther is the largest grossing Marvel movie in the history mm-hmm. of Marvel movies. Not that year, not that decade, the history, mm-hmm. right? But we're still making other Marvel movies <laughs> at an alarming high rate, okay? So at some point... Economics makes sense, but if economic sense overrides the lie, then we're going to default to the lie right. because there's a greater uh, desire to keep keep the lie going because it's, 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 it's bigger things that are at stake. But you mentioned the caste system. You know, take a look at other countries that have caste systems, such as the country of India. Yeah, my God. You know, the, 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 the egregious beliefs of some who are even, who God, people that God made are even untouchable. I mean, are, you can't touch them. You know, I mean, think about that. That is for another human being to say, we're all, we're all created by God. We all come to this earth naked, naked we should leave. And to say that because you are from this family or because you look this way or because you're from this tribe, you now are part of this system. Right. And, and in India, it's interesting that you talk about India because in India, the caste system is now illegal, <clears throat> but still very right. much <laughs> practice. Exactly. And this is very, and this is goes at the core of why, and it's why I said at the top, you know, miseducation of uh, critical Absolutely. race theory, because this goes at the core of what 
the theory desires to explore is what is the relationship? How is this intertwined? How does it feed one? How does it establish and then also feed and perpetuate? Because clearly it's, it's, you know, it's there, there is some kind of interaction that is going on there. And um, like you said, when you talk about India, the caste system, they have legally, that's been, been uh, abolished. But in reality, it's it so is funny. very, very real. And you can see, and you see it play out. You see the, even the impact of skin color in that society plays out. And so what do you think will be the case as more and more people come to America with these kinds of concepts and ideas? Right. What will it mean um, in this country as well? Well, I, I think it's, in, in, in mentioning what you just stated, policy dictates practice. So you have laws, public policy, but then you have practice. Practices are not eliminated by the stroke of the pen. Mm. They're eliminated over the course of time. Mm. I, I give the example of the children of Israel when they were, you know, building the story, when they, they were freed after 400 years of bondage. But there were some practices, you know, that, that they couldn't take with them on a three days journey to the promised land. But they kept doing it. Mm. <laughs> so... Unfortunately, the only the only solution to cease those practices before individuals can actually go and, and live in a land that was promised to them and live uh, greatly is that some had to die. So mm-hmm. a journey that took three days actually took them 40 years to give them a chance to actually die. My God, those my God, my God. Mm-hmm. So in, in, in looking at that story, about the journey from Egypt into the promised land and the practice of the people and the beliefs, we now utilize that and equate that to what is going to happen here, which is why critical race theory is so important to be taught and which is why the opposition is starting to see, try to seize it in K-12. through Because by the time the K-12 through become 21, 25, become 30, become 40, the practices of systematic racism will become a very, something that no one will want to be a part of because of the teaching of truth as opposed to perpetuating the lie. Yeah, but, I, but you know, I think that the other nuance that people need to pay attention to is, as we said at the top, critical race theory is being used as the bogeyman right. to really undermine the teaching of honest Absolutely. history Absolutely. and how race has played out in our country. And they're just using that as that, is that uh, here's, here's a new evil, you know, right. <laughs> and we've got to confront this evil, but the, the new evil is really uh, an old evil that has been with us. And that's, um, and that's racism. We're never going to make, be the great nation that we can be. Uh, uh, without eradicating that. Well, two points I want to bring out. I know our time is uh, is leaving us with this segment. There's so much to really uncover and unpack with this. Mm-hmm. But two things. In order to make this uh, theory more acceptable, because of the boogeyman principle or technique or tactic, is now we're looking at critical, we're looking at critical radicalization theory mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to critical race. Because now it's like race is a fighting war. So you take mm-hmm. that away. I've also heard this utilized as as relates to um, uh, 
uh, not white supremacy, but um, the the term is used when whites have an advantage over uh, white privilege. White, white privilege. privilege. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. So I, I've used I, I've heard that in order to take away the fighting word of white privilege, mm-hmm. now persons are using majority privilege. Mm-hmm. But again, I, I think that those two um, uh, characterizations of a very important area really fails because white privilege, majority privilege will now become, as we d- discuss and we'll unpack it in another segment, a white minority, r- ruling minority privilege. So when we say the ruling minority privilege, as opposed to the white ruling minority privilege. Uh, also, lastly, I, I, I want to close with this. Teaching the truth of history is not about blaming the person next to you. Right. It's not about demonizing one group of people against the other. It's about understanding the truth, taking that truth, learning from it so that we can make better decisions for tomorrow. Amen. We all want an opportunity to, to pursue life and happiness. And that's all, all of God's children, all races, all people are deserving of that opportunity. And Will, I think that's a perfect way to end this segment. We want to thank all of you again for supporting LaVisa and Claville. Will we bring it to you the way we see it, straight from uh, the truth and honesty. Uh, again, if you like what you're hearing, like, share, follow us on our social media on Facebook. And also, comment. Let us know your thoughts on how we can, what you liked about our segment, any questions you may have, how we can how we can better talk about these issues that are important to you. Until next time, that's the way it is. From Louisa and Claville, we'll see you next time.